Feel like zapping the enemy with raw power? Look no further than tonight's episode. Let's unleash the might and madness of elemental magic items. That's how we roll. 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 Welcome to the Goblins Corner. My name is Eric. And I'm Matt. And tonight, we're talking about elemental magic items. That's right. This is going to be a fun episode tonight because we enjoy making magic items. It's true. All the time. And tonight, we thought to ourselves, selves, we need some that exhibit the raw power of the elemental planes. Or at least something that falls into the flavor of elementalism. Yep. And that could be quasi or para-elemental as well. Sure. And so we've got eight examples this evening of ridiculous magic items, some powerful, some just ridiculous. And we uh, we dipped our toes into the distant past for some of the quasi-elementals. And so tonight, we've got them. You can use them. They're delightful. Let's get to it. All right. The first one we have, and I believe, Matt, this is your creation. It is. And it's something I'm very surprised they don't have in D&D, because it's a very simple magic item. Yeah. We're starting off simple, right? Yeah. You have a cloak of earth gliding. Absolutely. Let's talk about the the magic item. So we've got a description, the powers, and then the lore behind the elemental item. Right. Like we like to do. So talk to me about this cloak. Okay. It is an uncommon item, and the description is thus. These ugly, knobby, reddish-brown leather cloaks are often set with brilliantly gemmed clasps. Most of them are split in the back below the waist. So an ugly-ass cloak with a really nice clasp. Yes. Well, my theory behind that is Zorn mm-hmm. are attracted to gems. Gotcha. And so it's got a gemmed clasp. That's very interesting. What are the powers of the Cloak of Earth Gliding? This item has four charges. You may use one charge for Earth Glide, as per the elemental ability. Which is what? The wearer of this cloak of Earth Gliding can burrow through non-magical, unworked earth and stone at their normal movement rate. So 30 feet around, you can dig down 30 feet around. Yep. If you're a monk, then you can haul through it. Yeah. Burrowing in this way does not disturb the material it moves through. For one round. So you could do this for one round. Correct. Okay. One charge, one round. Gotcha. You may also use one charge for a minute of tremor sense out to 30 feet. That's handy. So you just kind of go, boo, 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 like. <laughs> Sonar. Yeah, like Daredevil. And just kind of oh, see yeah. everything. Now for two charges, you can gain Earth Glide for a minute or tremor sense out to 60 feet for a minute. Very handy. Lastly, you can use all four charges for both Earth Glide and Tremor Sense 60 feet for one minute. So if you really need to get someplace deep in the earth, and since you can't see anything, you got to have Tremor Sense. Or if you're just using this for absolute battlefield control. Oh, coming up and out of the yep. ground. That's, that's awesome. If you're a monk and you own this cloak, you are deadly, my friend. Or a barbarian. Oh, God, a barbarian just coming out like a shark. <laughs> cleave with a great x out of the ground Ah, i love everything about this man you're like a land orca at that point yeah land orca (laughs) what's the lore behind the uh the cloak of earth gliding these cloaks were first crafted for dwarven guards as a means to deal with roaming zorn 
that often seek the same materials as dwarves. Yeah. Because they eat gems. Zorn eat gems. Mm-hmm. Dwarves hate Zorn. Mm-hmm. Dwarves kill Zorn. They fell into offensive use in a prolonged series of skirmishes with the Dorger. And from these skirmishes, the use and creation of these cloaks was spread. That's pretty awesome. And I could see them in many, as you mentioned, many uses, right? Absolutely. Now, we must say it is unworked earth and stone, so it's not like they can walk through a castle wall. Correct. Nothing mortared together, none of that. But if you're in the Underdark... Or if you just go under the wall and up the ground above... That's a good point, yeah. Come up in the uh, in the basement. Yeah. In the dungeon. Or at, at the very least into the in-between areas, right? Because the, the dungeon in, basement's probably going to have a floor. between the castle wall? Yep. And then you just kind of chisel your way in? How delightful. Now, you have something a little different. Mine's ugly, right? That It's even in the description. It's an ugly thing. It's true. You have a fancy smoking jacket. That's right. Fancy smoking jacket. Very rare. This is the delightful item. Uh, we're using a para-elemental plane here, in this case, smoke. Mm-hmm. And the description is as follows. This gaudy red body-hugging velour jacket oozes refinement and sophistication. <laughs> Hoity-toity. Hell yeah. It also constantly oozes small streams of smoke and smells very much like a cigar ashtray. Because, of course, it does. It's a smoking jacket. It's not just a smoking jacket. It is a smoking jacket. Right. (laughs) What are the powers of this smoking jacket? Plus two charisma, but only if you speak smugly. Okay. Got to speak very smugly if you're wearing (laughs) fine body-hugging velour. Sure. Additionally, the following spells are available at the cost of a charge per level of the spell. Okay. So we've got Burning Hands at one charge. Makes sense. This is the first level spell. Sure. Pyrotechnics at two. Misty Step at two. Fireball at three. And Stinking Cloud at three. Is it a cloud of garbage cigar smoke? It absolutely is, yes. Cheap cigar smoke. The fancy smoking jacket has ten charges and regains 1d4 plus two charges daily at dawn. If you expend the last charge, roll a d20. If you get a one... It's destroyed in a puff of foul smoke. I would say, in my game, if I were running this item, that misty step is in fact not mist. It's smoke. It is smoke. And it is the old cartoon, like... Like Nightcrawler, Bamf, smell of brimstone, but instead of brimstone, it's cigar smoke. (laughs) Absolutely. I 100% agree, and you should totally do that in your game. What is the lore behind this thing? The original fancy smoking jacket was owned by Mr. Glorbin Crossbow, a half-orc guildmaster and the owner of a very successful restaurant tavern chain called The Drunken Giant. Ah, I see. Which happens in our game. Sure. Drunken Giant is all over the place, like McDonald's. After his sudden disappearance into the world's largest ale tankard, replicas of this fancy smoking jacket were created in memoriam. This to me indicates, A, a plane of ales, Mm -hmm. and that enough people liked him that they felt the need to create something in memoriam to yes. him? I agree. He was well-beloved. Absolutely. Everybody loves a drunken giant. He was sure. the creator of it, right? So yeah, that's the fancy smoking jacket. Next up, Matt, you've got a rare magic item, and I love this. It's just a snow globe. It is, in fact, a snow but globe. But it's more than just a snow globe. Right. Talk to me about this snow globe. All right, let's start with the description. Much like you might expect. This crystal ball containing an idyllic or whimsical, depending on who makes it, scene is set on a gilded base. Mm, It's a snow globe. Right. Occasionally, they're known to be dimly lit as well as shedding the light of a candle. Because 
some snow globes are lit from the inside. Absolutely. We've got this dirty-ass snow globe or a beautiful snow globe, depending. Right. It's a snow globe. It's a snow globe. You pick it up and shake it. How do you activate the powers? Is it picking up and shaking? It is, in fact. Tell me about it. Upon shaking the snow globe, it conjures a blizzard for 1d4 (laughs) rounds in a 60-foot radius. I love that. So you pick this thing up, you shake it, and I I visualize the snow disappearing from the snow globe Absolutely. and turning into a blizzard everywhere Around else. You. Yeah. Yes. If the snow globe is shaken very hard, it summons an ice storm as per the spell once per day. Both effects are centered on but do not affect the user. That's pretty handy as well. Yes. I love that. So shake it up, summons a blizzard, obscures your vision, it's cold, probably slip on some ice. Yeah. Shake it really hard. It summons an ice storm, which damages the hell out of you. Well, out of them. And sucks. Yeah. Just sucks. What's the lore behind the snow globe? Zerpus of the Chillblains created the first of these to arm his bodyguards with, as his wards against cold and ice were legendary. Okay. The original set of six came with rings preventing any guard from being affected by any of Zerpus's snow globes so that all six of them could use them independently without worrying about hurting the other guards. Oh, I see. So even though they, they shake their own, they weren't affected by theirs. The rest of the guards would be affected by... Right. Because it's only the one that you're holding that you're not affected by. Correct. But with the rings, none of the ones that he created affected anyone wearing the ring. That's pretty damn handy and very interesting. I see this as lore for a white dragon, like maybe treasure for a white dragon. Mm, I can see that. That'd be kind of neat, right? Sure. You defeat the white dragon, there's a snow globe in his lair. Maybe shaved white dragon scale is what they use to make the snowflakes in the snow globe. Maybe so. Could be interesting. Or crushed method. Sure. Next up, though, we have an ooze tube. That's right. Tell us about that. It is a rare magic item, elemental, and the description is as follows. This is a a very interesting one because you don't see a lot of ooze objects. No, you don't. So This is why I created this. This opaque, magically hardened glass tube is capped on both ends and is slick to the touch. Strange symbols adorn each cap. Okay. So imagine a glass tube. Sure. It's got some ooze, possibly green. Sure. Secrets of the ooze, perhaps? Yep. Yeah. I like it. You know what? It should even glow. It should. It should glow. It should glow like a... uh, (laughs) It should glow like a glow stick in the dark. Nice. Absolutely. So just enough light to piss you off, but not really reveal anything. Sure. And I like, unlike Secret of the Ooze, you were smart enough to magically strengthen your glass. Absolutely. (laughs) Because those things break all the time in the comic books. Yeah. Shatter everywhere. And next thing you know, you're a Ninja Turtle. What are the powers of this ooze tube before we get too far off track? Ooze tubes have two distinct abilities, slick and slime. Okay. So let's talk about the slick version. Uncapping the slick end of the ooze tube releases a large quantity of slippery, mucus-like substance, enough to cover a large-sized creature or object. Sounds awful. How appetizing. Sure. This functions exactly like a grease spell if spilled on the ground okay or if it's covered by a creature or an object it provides a plus two bonus to the appropriate skill check so athletics or grappling or whatever it is to escape from something or to slick your way you know through bars stuff like that slick evaporates after 1d4 rounds makes sense it's magical (laughs) It, it does that because magic it goes back to its plane we also have the slime cap 
Uncapping the slime end of the ooze tube releases a large amount of semi-congealed acid, enough to cover a medium-sized creature or object. Okay. This functions like green slime acid, which does 1d10 points of damage per round, or if it's made of wood or metal, 2d10 points of damage a round. Nice. And it lasts for 1d4 rounds before dissolving. Sure. Once again, ooze tubes can be used three times a day. There you go. So you can either slick yourself up when you go in to grapple something or maybe get through, I don't know, a confined space, or you can melt something something with it. Yes. Yes. Screw your portcullis. Both of them are types of oozes. (laughs) Yep. What is the lore behind an ooze tube? Ooze tubes were created by a local thieves guild, the Night Weverens, in order to better enter and exit buildings, get through locks, and dispose of bodies. That makes perfect sense. It's everything a thief would want, right? Yeah, no notes. It just makes perfect sense. I can get through the lock by dissolving it. I can squeeze through tight openings by slicking myself up or evading guards, right? Throw some grease down. And then if I kill someone, you won't find the body. I'm going to acid it. Sure. All good. So that's the use tube. I lo- it's Like I said, it makes perfect sense to me. No notes. It's great. Speaking of something else that makes perfect sense, we have what tonight, Matt? The question of the week. All right. Hand it to me. What do we got this evening? So we're going to, you know, I like to A, keep it on theme, but B, talk about like what personally you or I would do with a thing or an idea. What elemental weapon would you favor and what form would it take? I'm going to go for something different than my usual should shoot fireballs answer. I was going to say magma hammer, but a magma hammer would be (laughs) delightful, but I'm going to actually go with a thunder glove. Mm. that you just slap somebody and it just kapow slams them across the lawn sure with a thunderclap yep literally a thunderclap yeah you get two of them <laughs> how awesome would that be do the the hulk clap you see yourself in a tavern someone's talking smack you just put these white gloves on a little bit of ozone scent to them and you just slap your hands together and it just blows them across the room yes and in my head, because you know my brain works like it works, it's obviously got a silver lining. Oh, yes, 100%. <laughs> I also think, how awful would it be if you box somebody's ears with those things? Oh, yeah. yeah the head would explode like scanners. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? What kind of elemental weapon would you favor, and what would it look like? Well, first off, I am a staff person. I like them. Um, I already have very long arms because I'm a big dude. So why not add extra, extra reach? You got both staff skills. Yep. It's my weapon of choice. Uh, because I also enjoy the occasional aesthetic choice for no other reason than that. A column of water. Sure. Just like solid water, not frozen. Just moving column of moving water. Yes. That's a blunt instrument that you beat somebody to death with. Yes. With fish and everything, right? Like, oh, I'm, yeah, it's got to have fish, maybe a little octopus every now and then. Yeah, absolutely. Starfish, something like that. Yeah. Some seashells. A couple of little glowing jellyfish occasionally. Oh, when it, when night goes down, they turn into bioluminescent of fish. Of course they do. And it's got to have like a little fake boat that floats and sinks. Sure. Because, you know, reasons like literally just for the aesthetics of it. I love everything about that. That's awesome. Get beat to death with a water bow. And I wouldn't trust me walking, like if I'm using it as a walking stick, like even in a fantasy world, let alone the real world, but in a fantasy world, if I see a dude walking along the road with a column of water as a walking stick, 
I'm leaving him be. Not to be trifled I'm, with. Yeah, I'm just <laughs> letting it go. How you doing? Have a good day. <laughs> yeah, that guy. That guy's not to be messed with, let me tell you. What would your answer be to the question of the week? I want to know. I I want descriptions. I want reasoning. I want to know what the answer to this 100%. is. 100%. Hit us up at Goblin's Corner on all the various socials. And of course, you can always do what, Matt? Comment down below. That's what it's there for. That's right. So we're talking elemental magic items, and we've got four other amazing elemental magic items. And Matt, the next one up is yours. It's called Pyrogrease. Yes. Tell me a bit about Pyrogrease. All right. The description, such as it is, is this lumpy, red, wax-like substance smells of spices and bird dung. Okay. Sounds awesome. <laughs> so we got this red, waxy substance that stinks. Yes. Talk to me a bit about the powers of pyrogrease. All right. Pyrogrease can be smothered onto a generally metal weapon, which takes a round. Okay. Once covered... The weapon bursts into flame, giving it the flame tongue quality, which is 2d6 fire damage and sheds light in a 40-foot radius for one hour. So it's this waxy substance, kind of like napalm, really. (laughs) Sort of, yeah. Smothered on a weapon, it bursts into flame, and you beat something to death with it, shines light. And when when you get it, it can cover 1d10 weapons before it's used up. That's pretty Depending on how big of a section of it you get i say you cover a little bit in a flaming mug for bartenders sure that would be kind of fun as well <laughs> or imagine putting it on a catapult like the uh the big rocks i'm gonna say that's gonna take a couple of uses sure but yes a lot of fun uses i'm just thinking i could smear it on the ground have a wall of fire sure i'm thinking all kinds of applications behind this talk to me a bit about the lore how was this created like ambergris Pyrogris is a naturally occurring vomit from a titanic fire-based animal. Okay, so it's it's literally fire elemental puke. And it's worth a lot because it's used for very specific it's purposes. It's like ambergris, which is from whales. Right. Okay. In this case, it is regurgitated material from a phoenix. Oh. These phoenix pellets, like owls make owl pellets, right, are highly sought after and fetch a high price on the market due to their unusual creation and incredibly dangerous acquisition. Yeah, because anyone who's ever crossed a phoenix probably is in for it. Right. Sages speculate that Pyrogris can be crafted from other fire-based creatures as well. Interesting. So, you know, if your players want to attempt to experiment with that, feel free to let them. Yeah, DMs make other creatures create Pyrogris. Next, we have... An actual useful item that, (laughs) I mean, the other ones are useful, but there was a caveat to that, that stems from a very long running joke. joke. Yes, this is totally a long running joke. And I'll explain the joke as well, because no one's going to get it otherwise. Sure. Tell us about the steam pellet. Okay. First off, the steam pellet is an uncommon magic item. Okay. there's There's several of them. And here's the description. This small, easily crushed, grayish cylindrical ceramic object smells faintly of oil and something organically unpleasant. Can't really put a name of it. Right. You can't get your finger on it. But but you don't really like it. Yeah, it's unpleasant. Yeah. What are the powers of this thing? Favored by extrovert warriors and introvert rogues, the steam pellet is useful as a diversion against foes or a handy escape. When the steam pellet is crushed by dropping it or crushing it in your hand, Mm -hmm. it creates a massive cloud of steam as per the fog cloud. 
So centered on wherever the pellet is crushed. Right. So if I crush it, right, steam mm-hmm. emits. Additionally, due to the badass nature of the effect, because you're in this badass cloud of steam now. Sure. Any individual emerging from the steam gets a plus three bonus on their attack and damage until the encounter is completed. Okay. Now, this comes from my observation of anime. Right. As anyone is well aware, whenever you're in an anime battle and someone steams, they usually undergo some kind of transformation or something like that. You mm-hmm. ever see them walking out of steam, they're now more badass than they were, and they beat the crap out of whatever foe they have. So my theory is this. He who steams the most wins the battle. Sure. And so the steam pellet is literally just that. They go, Giver! I was just about to say, and if you don't believe it, watch Giver. Yeah, Giver is is definitely one of the The examples. The primary example. (laughs) They walk out of the steam, and now they're badass. Also, Batman. Sure. (laughs) What, What is the lore behind this? Funny you should mention that. Steam pellets were actually invented twice. Mm. Once by a combat-oriented artificer who favored power armor and justice. Okay. And the second by a crime-fighting gnome who dressed as a crow and also favored justice. There you go, folks. The steam pellet. (laughs) From the depths of my brain. (laughs) He who steams the most wins the battle. Verifiably true in anime. And knowing is half the battle. The other half is beating the guy up. Matt, you've got a legendary item next. I and, do. And I got to tell you, this is this is pretty awesome. <laughs> Depending on which side of it you're on, awful is the other option. There. That also works for me as well. So talk to me about the Morning Star of Woeful Wounds. Okay. The description is as follows. This hollow black metallic Morning Star is filled with a super saturated brine causing large salt crystals to form the spikes of this weapon. So this mace, mm-hmm. Morningstar specifically, it's kind of like, I see like hollow tubes or maybe just hollow holes. Uh, picture a wiffle ball. Oh, okay. Uh, like this metal wiffle ball on the, on the end uh, of a stick. On a stick, yeah. Yeah, and, then, and it just has these briny spikes. Yes. That's awesome. Due to its caustic nature, wielding this weapon without heavy gloves is dangerous and painful. Because it's super saturated solution, you don't want that on your hands. Yeah, mess like, up your hands, get some man. Gloves. You need some moisturizer after that. Talk to me about the powers behind the Morning Star of Woeful Wounds. All right. This is a plus three weapon of wounding. Let's talk about wounding for just a second, because for those of you who don't know the rules, it's nasty. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's terrible. First off, you can't heal it magically with regeneration. It can only be healed by spending hit dice and a shorter long rest. Yeah, that will wreck a party. Which is why this should be a hard-won prize. Mm-hmm. It also does necrotic damage as well. It does. You can use a charge to do 1d4 necrotic damage, and it creates a bleeding wound for every round after that, unless you make a 15 constitution save. Or, or like a medicine check or yeah, something 15, like that medicine check yeah so it's it's not to joke around with no it's that's why it's a legendary item but in addition you've got a couple other abilities as well talk to me about those because this isn't just wounding this is woeful wounds yeah woeful in addition any attack made by this weapon imposes a negative five to any concentration checks caused by the damage of this weapon due to the increased pain of the salted wounds. Because you're getting a salt spike in your wounds. So you're literally rubbing salt into the wounds. Yes. That's awesome. 
That's awesome. <laughs> it's both. That's awful and awesome. Also, three times per day, you may swing this weapon to make a ranged attack at 120 foot as the spikes of salt are released from the mace. The spikes reform immediately. A successful hit deals 5d6 points of piercing damage. Cool. You just swing it and the spikes disengage. Just pierce the, the villains. Yep. Or the heroes. If you might be a villain welding this weapon. <laughs> Certainly be. woeful wounds. This is something the paladin's just going to, you know, pick up and start using occasionally. <laughs> Unless it's a paladin of pain. It's true. Like a glory paladin. I can oh, definitely yeah. see you. Paladin this. of Leviathar. <laughs> Nice. Think about that. Absolutely. This would be perfect. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It'd be perfect. <laughs> I love everything about this. Tell me the lore of the Morning Star of Woeful Wounds. All right. The Salt Mephit Warlord, Noquis the Pale, requisitioned this weapon as a response to a magic using rival attempting to remove him from his throne. Appropriate response there. Oh, you could try to mess me up. Okay, okay, cool. Okay. I almost feel like it has some kind of engraving of assault method on the actual uh, mace, too. Maybe on the handle or something like that, or on the hilt. Sure. Maybe like salt method hands holding the ball. Mm, very. Th- oh, yeah. Very thematic. Oh, the, the uh, counterweight is a method head, and it comes up on the pole, and then the hands are holding the ball. Absolutely. Yep, I love everything about that. Very cool. You're welcome, folks. If this comes into your game, blame Matt. <laughs> That's all right. I don't mind. That's what I'm here for. Tell us, uh, tell us about the flash dance boots. All right. This is the last elemental item that we have. These are rare boots. The description is as follows. These gaudy boots practically glow with pent-up power and static electricity. Mm-hmm. A scent of ozone and feet waft from them. Because any shoes that are that shiny and that filled with static are also going to make your feet sweat. Yep. And in my head, they kind of have like the 80s puffy boot, maybe like from Flashdance. Sure. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Talk to us about the powers of the Flashdance boots. Okay. First off, you get plus one to your initiative. The Flashdance boots. Got to move fast, right? Sure. Makes sense. Additionally, the following spells can be used once per day. We can use Thunderclap. From the static, okay. Mm-hmm. Expeditious retreat, because they're flash dance. Okay. Lightning bolt, which comes from the boots. I want you nice. think of that visual. You're like doing a little dance, and then just what? What I the visual I actually get is uh, little kids in dress shoes dragging their free to feet across the carpet, and static electricity and just, builds up, <laughs> yeah. <just> zaps somebody. <laughs> I love that. That's great. <laughs> and then finally, uh, thunder step. Which, if you don't know what that is, you teleport and kaboom. I think all of those make sense and uh, would make them a lot of fun to have. Very thematic. Indeed. What is the lore behind these boots? Crafted by the infamous dwarven stand-up comic Whistledown Bellforge, these boots were used both on stage to impress the audience and off stage to run from his not-so-impressed audience. <laughs> it could be great. But on the night you bomb, it's good to be able to get out. I kind of see him being an asshole comic. Mm. And so he gets some hecklers and he says something. Andrew Dice Bellforge. Uh, maybe, or just maybe just heckles back and he heckled the wrong person in the tavern. Sure. Got to make a hasty retreat, right? Absolutely. retreat. Maybe he gets waylaid, has to do a little thunder step. Yeah, you don't counter heckle the barbarian. No. 
that could be very painful. <laughs> yes, indeed. So there you have it. Eight elemental magic items for you to use in your campaign. Some ridiculous, some deadly, all of them flavorful. Yeah, all of them fun. All of them fun. Any questions or comments, hit us up at Goblin's Corner on all the various socials. Did you enjoy this podcast? We've got a couple more teeming from the elemental void. Subscribe to them on your favorite player, YouTube, and Twitch. Click the five stars and give us a review on iTunes, Podchaser, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. And on YouTube, hit the like and subscribe button. It gets our show in front of more people, and it feeds the hungry algorithm. He's currently finishing with an off-color joke, angering the audience, and he steps away with a kaboom. Kaboom. That's how it works. That's all the time we have for tonight. Once again, my name is Eric. And I'm Matt. We'll see you next time. Good night, folks. The Goblin's Corner is written and produced by Eric Holden and Matt Staples. Show song by the Mighty D20. What a wonderful guy. This is a subterranean production. The end.